Ultimately, everything kind of boils down to one question. What's the fucking point? So let's talk about it. I'm your host, Valerie Martin, and this podcast brings a little levity and a lot of curiosity to some of the biggest questions and ideas that we meager humans can ponder. Join me and our guests each week as we dig into topics around psychology, human behavior, consciousness, spirituality, philosophy, and more, all with a healthy dose of existential angst. And now, today's episode. Hello, podcast fam. It's episode number 47, and I am so delighted to introduce you or share with you my guest, Amber Liliestrom. Amber is a brand and business coach, and she has been my business coach over the past handful of months as I've been in her mastermind program, Accelerate, and she has other mastermind offerings and um, all kinds of fun things. And I originally found her through her podcast, The Amber Liliestrom Show. And she just brings on some pretty incredible guests. Like she's had Mark Nepo on twice recently and just a lot of the Allison Bird episode is killer. I'll try to remember to link to some of those in the show notes. But Amber is just a super magnetic and kind and smart woman. And I am so excited to share our conversation. We got into some topics that I was not expecting, which is always the best, right? Like I sort of know where I can take the conversation if I need to, but the best episodes are always the ones that kind of unfold more organically in the moment. And that was this conversation. And actually, um, so I recorded this interview a weekish before now as I'm recording the intro and, and sharing it um, tomorrow morning. But I, this conversation was one of the seeds planted that has now already sprouted into my next thing. Um, and I will be sharing about that on here more soon. The name of the podcast might even change. We'll see. But I now have a website and Instagram. So they're both uh, Misfit Manifestors. So you can look that up on Instagram and misfitmanifestors.com. I will be sending out midweek magic emails that I am really committed to making super fun and useful. And I, like I said, I'll, I'll share more later about really what I'm creating with Misfit Manifestors and what sort of my, my whole philosophy and message is behind it. But man, I'm, I'm just excited. So I don't want to get too much into it right now and detract from this episode, but just look it up. Give me a follow. I would so appreciate it. Know that some really awesome things are coming over there. And for today... Just really soak in this conversation. It was really nourishing for me and hopefully will be for you as well. Um, and let's get into the episode with Amber Liliestrom. You can find her website, her podcast, and all of that in the show notes. Oh, and one more thing I forgot to mention earlier in the intro. Amber's live events are freaking incredible, you guys. So if you ever have an opportunity to attend her annual Ignite Your Soul Summit up in New Hampshire or her Accelerate 
event if you're more in the business space. Ignite Your Soul is for anyone and it was freaking amazing. So um, make sure to kind of get in touch with her, connect with her on Instagram or email so that you know when her events are coming up because they are so worth going to New Hampshire for and then you get to visit a cute little place. So anyway, let's get into the conversation with Amber. So Amber, what in the last 24 hours has been most exciting for you? Okay. Um, oh my gosh. It's like every five minutes <laughs> to be completely honest. Uh, I, just I, get ex- I get excited about things constantly all day long and I feel like a little kid in the candy store just being able to answer. I mean, I'm excited about apple cider because it's New England. And I got to have, like, I literally get to have a hot mug of apple cider this afternoon while I'm working. Like, that is, and put cinnamon on it. Are you kidding me? Like, it's the best feeling ever. Um, I love driving my daughter to school every morning. And we do a word of the day every morning. And sometimes we share it on Instagram, too. And, like, I just ask her, what's your, and so her word today was fun fun a Like she's been saying hallelujah as her word. And I was like, babe, do you want to do to try a different word? And she's like, fun a I was like, that's awesome. So love it. just like her face and the fact that she's going to come home in about an hour or so, and then she's going to run up here and I get to see her and talking to you right now. And I had an awesome enrollment conversation with a new client this morning and I get to get coached later today and I get to go to Ani's dance class. So my whole life basically is what I'm excited about. <laughs> I love it. Um, I mean, and I, I so resonate with that. And I think that is why um, one of the other uh, people who's in the mastermind, Jen, she, when we've kind of talked about our experience and she's like, you know, part of what is just so valuable to me is seeing how Amber sort of holds her energy in the space and just like holds you hold your vibration super high, like no matter what's going on. And um, it's funny because I usually don't like make disclaimers and apologize for like woo woo, quote unquote, kind of stuff. Because it's like if people are listening to me, like they know that I'm into things like that. I've come out of the broom closet already. But it, it is funny because there's like you take it to a certain level and then it's like, oh, now I'm talking about being in a high vibration oh, what are people going to think about that? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, what are people going to think about that? And why, and why do we actually need to care what people think? And at the end of the day, you know, vibration, um, is just a mood and it's just a way you feel. And, and, you know, we have all kinds of different ways to refer to it. And I think for me, frequency and vibration just feels good. You know, it's like, okay, just, just slip, switch the word energy. She has great energy, right? Well, it's because she's becoming a vibrational and energetic match for, for better feeling thoughts Mm -hmm. and for better feeling, uh, communication and interaction. And I mean, isn't that the goal? Because ultimately from that place, we're just more fun to connect with, you know, where it's like, you think about when you go and and you know, here's the other thing, Valerie, and I bet you feel this way too, a lot because you are in a high vibe state most of the time. Um, when you live there and you live and you spend time with people and you're very intentional about creating that environment in your life and in your friendships and and all that, when you go to normal places, like the grocery store or you go, you know, and the, there's not as much of a, an awareness around vibration or, you know, there, there's a lot of suffering and there's not a lot of, uh, shifting from that suffering. It's just kind of like really feeling stuck in that. 
It's so uncomfortable. And here's, I'm going to continue this conversation because I think this is really important. And this has been a recent uh, revelation for me. I often feel like I don't fit in. And Mm -hmm. I felt that way for basically my entire life. Um, my mom's even, you know, recently I was, I was kind of crying to her just saying like, oh, they, these, I just feel like I like lose friends. And I, you know, like having one of those moments, like just like mom help. And she goes, honey, it's always been this way. Mm. You, it's always been this way for you. And I know that it's painful, but it's just the way it is. You know, you, it, people have a hard time because you don't choose to stay in suffering. And you choose to better yourself and you choose to do that no matter what, even when it's difficult. And most people don't do that. And so, you know, Valerie, I, I say this to you cause I want you to receive this because I believe this is true for you too. You know, the reason why we, we feel like we don't fit in is because we don't. <laughs> and most yeah. of the world is operating and vibrating at a lower frequency and a lower level in a, in a victimhood mentality in a place of scarcity and a place of deep fear and not in a place of love. And love is the ultimate in high vibration. And if you're always reaching for love, sometimes it, it doesn't make any sense to say that you're going to feel like you're lonely. Right. Because love is like, you're okay, well, you're surrounded by what? God, spirit, the universe. You, you kind of fill in your own blank there. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you desire the companionship of humans, and most humans don't operate in that place, it can, it can feel lonely and it can feel painful. And that's why it... That's why you've got, you're listening to this conversation right now, because (laughs) we're trying to say to you guys who are listening to this, those of you that are saying like, oh, F you, uh, you guys are a bunch of weirdo woo-woos. Those of you who are here, what we're saying right now and are vibing with it, you're not alone in this. And what makes you feel different is you are actually vibrating at a different frequency than most people. And that's why you feel like you don't fit in because you actually don't. Right. And I think like the, um, sort of hyperbolic example of that is like kind of goes back to some of the original wounds with it of like mm. fifth grade right oh and, six for me yes. oh man yeah just horrible, so bad right because talk about like little people who for whatever combination of reasons are very much not in sort of a high energy state of love and and acceptance and compassion, like, and then you're on the receiving end of whatever that is, of, of that judgment and yes. exclusion. And it's like, oh, so to hear that, you know, you're what, like 38 and, mm-hmm. and you're still having that emotional yes. experience of that wound. And I think of the spiral staircase, because it's like, it doesn't mean that you're stuck in that same pain, but it's, it does mean that that is a lesson you're going to continue getting and, and the truth is going to remain the same with it. It's just showing up in different ways as you move up kind of your evolution. Yeah. And the beautiful, um, part is that we have the opportunity to see it from a higher vantage point. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, that's, that's the beautiful part of the, the personal evolution. And I think, you know, just hearing these types of conversations, um, help us have quantum shifts and help us to acknowledge and, and, you know, co-create and connect to people who have, you know, it's that you are not alone thing that, that this is consistent. And I mean, I, I was kicked out of my friend group when I was in sixth grade, uh, and it was very painful. I mean, I can literally like transport myself there. Right. But you know, my friend Allison bird was just saying this to me recently, um, about re experiencing that kind of trauma in our adulthood and how we are, we're experiencing the echo 
of Mm -hmm. our childhood trauma yet it's not the same because we have the ability to make the the changes and the shifts and to compassionately parent ourselves now. Mm -hmm. And we have to remember that and not fall back into that victimhood, which it really kind of was back then. It was like, well, what do you do in sixth grade when you're hiding in the girl's locker room and you have to come out because you have to come out to go to class and you literally, your whole world just fell apart because you got kicked out of your friend group and there's nobody else to go to. And you can't tell mom and dad at home because they're, they're, they don't get it and they're having their own hard time and I don't want to burden them with me. So you're just completely lost and alone. But the reality is, is we're not, we are not alone now and we can create our own reality. And we could then too, we just didn't understand it as much. And now we have, you know, different, different guides on our path to help us in that process. Right. And back then, before we had kind of some of the tools and the ability to do that inner parenting that we do now, it's like, not only are you hurt and alone, but you're also then totally buying into the story of, well, then I must, there must be something wrong with me. I must not be good enough. They're better than me. I should try to be more like them. All of that. And, you know, it's, those are still often for me, the first thought. It's just like, I love the idea of like, first thought wrong. Okay, hold on. And as as Gabby Bernstein says in her new book I'm listening to, it's like, choose again. Okay, I can forgive myself for having that thought. And then what would be a better feeling thought that could also relate to this moment? Yeah, and you know, I I think that um, for someone who struggled in a profound way with the worthiness conversation with the the self-love. I mean, geez, I couldn't even say those two words for so much of my life. Like self-love, give me a break. You know, I had to kind of villainize that whole concept because I just, I hated myself so much. You know, I was so turned in against myself. So, um, and as a survivor of abuse, you know, childhood sexual abuse, um, that it makes all the sense in the world as to why that was my orientation, you know, like I really, I really do understand that. And I've had to spend a lot of time working on that. And then, and then kind of like, so let's see if we can get the visual on this one together. It's like getting the sort of momentum, like the heave ho to get to the place of traction Mm -hmm. and having enough evidence, uh, and enough traction and, and like, you know, uh, snow to get my tires into to say, ah, okay, I'm doing that same pattern again but it's not real, even though it feels like it in this moment, like you just said, try again. Okay. And then I'm going to just take a moment. And you know, the the best way to do this, Valerie, for me and my experience is just to get ultra present and just to breathe it in and just to look around and go, okay, um, I'm acting like I'm still in the locker room in sixth grade, but I'm not, I'm living in my home with my, my life that I've created now. And And there's so much I can do with this ball of clay that I didn't have the ability to do when I was however old, when I was like 11, 12 years old. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was so ironic. Um, Just yesterday, as I was kind of doing my morning walk, and, and some of these thoughts were actually going through my head around the idea of belonging and kind of being like, feeling like the one who doesn't fit in and knowing that there are so many other women who are feeling this way and, and kind of bringing the weirdos together and, and embracing each other. And so I was like, what if my thing 
is belonging and belong. And like, I was just mm-hmm. kind of like, what if, what if I follow that trail more? So of course, here's where I go. I go to the podcast store. I'm like, is there already a podcast called belong? I come across this woman and I look at her website and I'm like, she's literally doing everything I want to do way better. And I was like, whoa, okay, I've got to stop this train. But it was, <laughs> it was a painful moment. Cause I was like, Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, who hasn't been there? Yeah. You know, and, and when we're in the camp of trying to validate ourselves through external circumstances and external conditions, well, our likelihood to go down that pathway is way, way higher than when we're emanating from that inner alignment and attunement. And if you were coming to that moment, really feeling rooted and aligned, you would have said, Oh, wow, that's so inspiring. Look like that. There's a space for this. There's a place for this. She can't possibly serve every person in the world who doesn't feel like they belong. (laughs) And you know what, while this is her kind of mantra and her, her tagline, mine's a little bit different, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and look at my credentials and look at the experience that I have and look at what different kind of pivot point I would like to put on this. And then we can both do our own type of work. And what's another word for belonging or what's a, what's a spinoff of that? What would be fun to play with here? And so it's like, you know, we all do the, and both of that. Yeah. But I wanted to talk through that because I know there are other people listening to this Valerie who, um, don't know how to pivot Mm -hmm. and just think, Oh man, there's so many people doing website design, or there's so many people doing photography. There's so many people doing, having a podcast. What the hell point is there for me to try to do a podcast when Valerie's already got the best podcast and I love listening to it every week. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. You know, so I love that story. And I mean, again, as Brene Brown talks about all the time with vulnerability, you know, we just, we don't grow without it. Mm -hmm. We cannot, we cannot grow. And the intersection of what your work is in the world and the, the, you know, the trending, uh, significance of vulnerability right now, right? Like even corporate companies are like talking about vulnerability, you right. know, it's, it's like hilarious to me. Cause you're like, yeah, right. <laughs> like show me a corporate culture where vulnerability is really, really truly accepted. You yeah. Know? Where you're not talking out of both sides of your mouth here. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Right. Exactly. So, um, but I, but I believe, and you know, I'm a little biased cause I just, I believe in you in the biggest way. So, um, I think you should just w- ride that wave and whatever, direction it takes you because whatever you want to do, girlfriend, pause up. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think about like, and I think this is relevant for, for people, whether, whether they have a business that they're wanting to do or not, but I think there's a lot of what we are trying to do in life where, like you said, the external getting caught up in the external. And, and the fact is that there are, whether it's an online business or in a corporate culture or, in dating, like there's some level of, I've got to learn how to kind of play this game well. Like I've got to learn how this works. Like I can't, yes. because, you know, and I'm using dating as an example, just because a lot of my clients talk to me about it, but um, I've been not, not dating for quite a while. So, but the idea of like, well, okay, well, if I really liked this first date it was just amazing. We were so vibing with each other. Well, I don't, maybe want to text him like 10 times the next day to tell him how amazing the date was, right? Because that's just sort of, 
it's playing the game wrong, which is kind of crappy mm-hmm. to have to say. But like same thing in the online business. It's like you oh, yeah. you are in it for the right reasons, but you also show up and you do your webinars and you do your emails and you do your freebies and like you're doing all And you of pay those for things. ads and growth yeah. and all the things. Like you invest that aspect in your business, you know, and and what what I guess, you know, the thing that helps me lay my head on the pillow at night and not just like completely want to go off the grid and like (laughs) throw away every device that I have and, and just like, you know, never shave my legs again. I don't know. That's weird to say. (laughs) I totally get what you mean. I mean, just go into that, like, yeah, like that whole uh, hermit life, (laughs) like fuck it all, um, is that what we have to say, and I'm saying this is a, we, for everybody listening to this and to you and me really matters. And the sacred conversations that are having, we are having wouldn't happen if we didn't just work with the systems and the structures that exist and constantly do the best we can to try to innovate them and to make them more inclusive, more, um, relevant across the board. Like that, that's the duality of the work, right? It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to participate. It's okay. So it's like our, it's like our sister's and our mothers and our, you know, grandmothers. And it's like, they had to play the game, but if they didn't play the game, the way they played it with a little, like little swag and a little edge, Mm -hmm. you and I wouldn't be having this conversation right now. Right. And so we're just playing our part in the heritage of our ancestors and our foremothers and forefathers. And we are just continuing to move the needle forward. And if you and I like tap out, then the world never hears what we have to say and the world never hears our story and the world never gets to, to have that unique perspective and angle on belonging that belongs to you. Mm-hmm. So stay in guys, you know, we, and, and gals, we've got it. We've got to stay in, stay woke, right? Like wake up, pay attention, do your homework. Don't be an asshole, you know, like do the work. And, you know, don't take yourself so seriously and don't take your Instagram following so seriously because it just doesn't matter at the end of the day. But I will say this, if I haven't made that a priority, then I wouldn't have had a lot of the conversations that I've had on my podcast. And I hate that. Mm-hmm. Like I, right. it's like, I, it's a love hate for me. And so I just always want to put that on the table and you know me, I'm an open book. I'm yeah. as transparent as possible. I will tell you all the things, um, but I love that you're bringing this into the conversation because it is real for everything. I think, I mean, even in my corporate job, you know, I had to like nod the head mm-hmm. and wear the outfit and do the thing. But at the same point, I was like fighting on behalf of my, the cheerleading team to support those women in their plight, even when they were on the chopping block mm-hmm. and fighting for them when nobody wanted to give them anything. And then guess what? Like two years ago, they won a national championship and now they're like the darlings. And it's like, Oh, isn't that, funny. Um, right. And I worked in collegiate athletics. If you guys are like, what are you talking about cheerleading? (laughs) That was my perfect career. Um, I had to, I had to fight to support the women's teams and, uh, to create opportunities for students and minorities and, uh, low income, uh, families in, in different aspects of providing, you know, exposure and education for them. So, and both. Yeah, exactly. That I think even if, like you said, you don't love the fact that having, Having had to have the opportunity or having the opportunities that you had, some of that has come from playing the game well. 
but we can we can do that in a way that's not just selling ourselves out and, and completely against our integrity. We might not love parts of it and they might be, you know, we might roll our eyes. We might delegate some things out. We might be like, Ugh, this is yeah. writing this email is like not the thing I want to do today. Right. And of right. course, the more in alignment we can bring ourselves to like, well, ultimately, the purpose of this email is something greater um, g- good. But it, it really is, I think, a lot of like, let's just honor that some parts of this are not really fun. And I don't want to get good at this. But if I want to do the thing that ultimately yeah. matters, I kind of have to get good at it to some degree. Yeah, it's it is all I mean, I think anything you guys in the end, both I mean, it, parenthood, marriage, uh, owning a pet, like I love my cat so much and I despise their litter box, but <laughs> it just is a fact of life. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, so let's kind of go way back. And I know we got like a little piece of your of your story from growing up, but what brought you into this work? So you, you were in collegiate athletics. Now you're mm-hmm. here. Fill in that some of the gaps for us, for people who yeah. don't know your story. Yeah. You know, I think going flashing way, way, way back all the way to my childhood, um, you know, as I mentioned, I'm a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. And when I was uh, five years old, I was literally testifying in court against my abuser. And I mean, that's just anybody who has a five-year-old, just look at your child right now and imagine them going and standing in court and testifying mm-hmm. um, and talking about what happened to them. It's it's insane. I mean, it just, I mean, I have a six-year-old, so it's insane to just even think about that. Um, but what I know was, and I felt as if, you know, God's spirit, I don't know. I didn't understand that as a small child, but I felt like there was some, something communicating with me saying, you know, this didn't happen to you for nothing. And you have to, you have to help other people in your lifetime, Amber, you have to help other people be brave and courageous. You have to help other people overcome the pain of what happens to them. I don't, I don't know why, but I, just felt that call from a super, super young age. And there were a bunch of years where I kind of just put it aside, you know, where I couldn't, I mean, I was a child, you know, I was trying to just have a childhood. I was, um, I also grew up like in a moment because of that experience. I grew up super fast and took on responsibility for other people's emotional states, my parents and otherwise that I didn't need to, but I did. And I also learned a lot from that, you know, about, um, witnessing people not taking ownership for their own emotional state and watching how their lives were a reflection of that. And I didn't have that language as a young child, but I witnessed that. And so really at the core, what my work in the world has always been about is about doing the right thing, about um, helping people break free from the, the burdens that they carry and helping them understand that, um, it's one thought away. And you know, again, this has all been part of my own personal curriculum and as a younger child and into my teens and into my early twenties, the way that, you know, I really experienced that and expressed it was as an athlete. I was a division one soccer player and I trained, um, very hard. And I, I learned so much as an athlete about myself, about others on the field. Um, I received incredible coaching and training and, Uh, and then I became a coach myself and I became a, I I taught at the university too, as well as being an associate athletic director there, um, and being a mentor for student interns and doing marketing and branding in my professional career. And I think, you know, the, the lead up to all of that was, um, I didn't forget about the call. I didn't forget about that whisper from my childhood. And so, you know, in my mid twenties, uh, I'm in my first marriage and it's failing quickly. And I, we, we got divorced within a year of being married and, you know, all of it was just kind of like, 
what are you doing? You know, like, what are you doing? You know, you can go and, and carry the pom-poms and, and be a wildcat forever um, and be a lifer like so many of the people that are here are. And you love many parts of your job, but you just, you just know that there's more. And so then, um, I'm 31 and I'm pregnant with our child. Um, my, now my now husband, Ben, my second husband, um, my life partner. And, uh, I had a near death experience during her birth and it was really this moment of reckoning Valerie. It was this, this whisper, this awakening, this clarity of, you know, you know what you want to be doing with your life and you're just not doing it. And I had the flash of that. I could see the whole thing just in a visual in my mind's eye and my, in my own, um, in between motherhood and what I was recognizing was potentially my death. And, uh, yeah, it, it changed me. You know, it just, it just, it was like quantum leap in consciousness and a massive shift. And I came out of there different. It would certainly take time for me to, to apply what was going on and to really tease through it all, but everything just changed. And of course, throw into the mix, I'm now a mom um, which was my original number one dream to become a mom. And I have, I'm the mother of a little girl. And so unbeknownst to me, you know, uh, I'm, I'm getting the chance to really rewrite history in many ways and to create a different experience for my daughter and her childhood. You know, she's going to have her own track, but I get to be part of that and I get to be really awake for it. And, um, I also get to mend and heal relationships with my parents in ways that, have been beautiful, magical surprises, uh, on this path through raising my daughter. And then also like reparenting myself and then loving them and setting them free and not holding them in bondage for things that I had held them in bondage for, for so long. Um, and, and so, you know, around that time, it took me about nine months or so after Ani was born. Um, but in the background I was building my coaching business. You know, what I knew was I love helping people, um, I know that I need more time and space in my life to really do my own deep healing work. I need to create the space for that because in this corporate job, I can't, I was working, you know, 40 to 60 hours a week, every week, nights, weekends. And now with a child, it was like impossible. There was no time for me. I mean, even to like try to get a therapy appointment in, it's like, when would I do that? You know, I was always working. And if I wasn't working, I wanted to be with Ani. And, um, I just knew it was time. And so I launched this business. Welcome to my first client gave my notice, which I still laugh about because it was literally kind of crazy, you know, being, uh, in a 10 year career, like pretty well paid, um, in, in my industry, uh, I was going to be the president of all the sport marketing professionals in the whole country. I was like one of the leaders in our professional development organization for sport marketing pros in the U S and, um, I'm just walking in there, giving it all away. Uh, but I gave it away for the life that I wanted to be living. And, and so my life has completely transformed. My physical body has transformed. Um, my relationships have changed, you know, everything has changed, you know, in a, in a, a massive way. And I still have a beautiful, I give back to the, you know, UNH, I have like the head, the cat head on my license plate. Like I, <laughs> I, st I started part of this like license plate development program when I was there and it finally came to fruition. I was so excited to get that license plate. Um, yeah, it just feels really full circle and it feels like it's exactly how it was all meant to play out. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. You said something in there. I mean, both kind of the, the experience of you freeing yourself from kind of resentment and freeing your parents kind of from that bondage healing yes. relationship and also the, 
seeing other people not taking responsibility for or ownership of their emotional states. And that made me think about one of the concepts that you always talk about, which is radical personal responsibility. So give us kind of the riff on what that really means to you and why it's important. Yeah. Um, good old RPR. <laughs> and it is, it's everything, you know, it's every single thing all at once. And it's the opportunity for you to take radical personal responsibility for how you're showing up in your life, how you're showing up in your relationships, how you are showing up in your career. You know, you're not making a lot of sales right now. Okay. What are you doing? You know, how are you actually moving the needle forward? Because it's always, it's always about the energy and the intention and the attention we give to things that moves the needle forward, you know, whatever that happens to be and, um, your physical health, right? Your, your personal state, how do you walk into a room and how attuned are you to your taking radical personal responsibility all the time? I mean, it really is an all the time thing. Um, and I, I think just having that as sort of like your focus and your set point, like, am I showing up, you know, the way I really want to show up? Am I taking radical personal responsibility for my contribution in, in my life right now? in the way that I'm showing up to, to pick up my kid from school, you know, my, my friend, Rachel Canfield talks about, um, I want every single time that my son comes in the room, I want, I want to be excited. Like when I see him for the first time each day, I want him to feel how excited it makes me just want to burst into tears, how excited I am that he's here. Can you imagine if, if the people that, you know, and our, and I know our parents did the best they could, they did a great job. Like I'm not taking, but can you imagine that that was like the underpinning of, I want Valerie to know how excited I am to see her every time that I see her, like every morning for the first time, it's a new day that I get to see her again. Oh my gosh. Like it just, it just cracks my heart, like completely yeah. wide open to think about that. So what if you could be like that? with, with everyone, you know, and I'm not asking us to be like robot weirdo, like over the top, um, you know, this theme of cheerleaders seeming to come up a lot today, but I'm, I am asking us to just consider like, how, how would I want to be received and how would I want people to love me? And, and what is, what does it look like for me to take radical personal responsibility for that and being the reflection Mm -hmm. of what I desire and, and really follow through on that and give myself my own medicine in the process. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's another both and thing, because I think that like looking back at, you know, experiences of abuse or experiences of just unarguable inequality and things that, yeah. that different people face in our world, like, Yes, that exists. Absolutely. And it can absolutely impact your starting point. Absolutely. And at whatever point that you say, okay, here's where I'm starting from. Here's where I'm at today. What what do I want? What do I need? And ugh, even talking about this feels hard for me because I do, you know, I'm, I'm a social worker and, and, and I go yes. into that place of like, well, you know, tell that to... Uh, a single mom of you know three I kids know. who grew, who has a grew up with immigrant parents and all this so i get that it's complicated um mm -hmm. but i think for mm -hmm. the vast majority of us we we do tend to buy our own bullshit and we buy our own excuses and it's like that moment that i was in yesterday when i'm like looking at this girl's website and like oh she beat me to it this is prettier than any way that i would create it blah, 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 blah. it's like pause okay yes 
I have to take radical personal responsibility if I like this and there's that feeling of, okay, well, um, envy is just inspiration in disguise or whatever, right? And and what is my pivot? What is my unique um, kind of take on something? Like, that's me taking radical personal responsibility yes. is being able to say, this is really cool and so am I. And what am I going to do with this inspiration and this information? Yeah. And I love that so much, Valerie, because that also plays upon what we were just talking about at the Accelerate Live event, which is... Um, how do I take this data of my response, my initial response and go, Hmm, I don't really love that. I want to work on that. Okay. This is really good feedback. And then, you know what? I get to try a little tenderness. Okay. That's still hard for me. I don't have the boxes all ticked on worthiness yet. I, I still in moments feel like I I'm not good enough for my own dreams. Okay what would help me with that? What kind of support do I need around that? You know, what would be the most loving, gentle gift I could give myself? And it might just be a different thought. That's like, okay, if I said the words that I say in my head to my child, how would that feel? Okay. Awful. All right. So if you wouldn't say that to Ani, then maybe we should try not saying that to ourselves. And it's like these kinds of moments of like practicing getting into that kind of conversation with self. Valerie, I know you know this <laughs> with your work, right? It takes time. Mm -hmm. It takes a minute. You got to slow down. And a lot of repetition. And a lot, because this is what we're talking about. Okay. I'm so excited that you just said that. So if we go off of the, the premise of the theory, and I just did an Instagram post about this, of mastery. And I know Malcolm Gladwell and Outliers talked about the 10,000 hour thing. And then this guy, um, Anderson, talked about, or it's, I think it's Anders Ericsson, actually, one or the other, or Anders Eric, the other <laughs> way around. Yeah. <laughs> but they did this study back in the early 90s. And what they discovered was that people in their 20s who had applied 10,000 hours to anything actually developed average skill set, not mm. exceptional, but in order to get to an average skill set of development, it required up to 10,000 hours. If you want to be really good at it, well, the, the, the natural thing would be to think I need to do more, but actually it's more about deliberate practice mm. and deliberate practice is actually what creates greater results and ma and true mastery and expertise. Now, why this is so exciting to me is because I'm super super nerdy about brain science and about neural pathways and about the, the facts of the facts of the facts. Why do you get good at anything? Because you create the neural pathways in your brain that have the mind body connection. We'll just use soccer as an example, because that's my sport to be really good at penalty kicks or really good at goal kicks or really good at any type of skill, receiving the ball and turning. Okay. You need to practice that many, many times for your mind-body connection, but most of all, because your brain needs enough practice with those neural pathways to get it and to, to maximize that technique. So the same goes with having new ways of thinking. So here's my question to anybody listening to this. Oh my gosh, Valerie, are you ready for this? This is so exciting. I'm ready. Ten th we'll just use the 10,000 hours premise because we want to at least get to like at least a, a solid, you know, set point. Have you spent 10,000 hours filling the cup of worthiness or pouring it out? Hmm. And the amount of time you spent in deliberate practice towards either one of those orientations, worthiness or lack thereof, is what you're going to experience. Right. 
period. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes <laughs> life, life has already done some of that pouring out from some of yes. those experiences. So it's like, if you want to have that baseline level of, all right, I think, I think I, you know, I deserve good things. I, I'm pretty decent. I like myself. Like it takes work to even get there. Right. And you didn't have the skills and tools that you have now back then. And so the leaking cup was much leakier than it is now. And you didn't have, so it's like, if you go through an average day and you have, you know, what is it? How many thoughts does a person have in a day? It's like obscene. So many. Yeah. It's like 80,000 or something like that. So let's just imagine that at least like, let's just say I, and this is completely unscientific people. I am pulling this out of my ass, (laughs) but let's just say it's 20,000 of those thoughts are like not great thoughts for yourself. You just practice, you know, what? a quarter of your day ish on practicing, not thinking good about yourself on unworthiness. And so this is it, like, this is it. And, and if you, you know, as I used that example earlier about the going to the grocery store and the people are, they're so unhappy. Like, I mean, it's, I, I hate that I use that example a lot, but my grocery store has a lot of evidence. Like there are many <laughs> case studies of, of body language, of interactions, of, you know, all of those things that, that there's not a lot of joy there and there's not a lot of fulfillment there and there's not a lot of, you know, engagement. And so, man, that is practicing what we do not want. So going back to radical personal responsibility, what that really looks like is practicing what it is you desire, how you want to feel, how you want to live, how, and, and rewinding that up, because as you and I both know, it's the thoughts that create it. The thoughts are creating that reality and changing, manually changing those thoughts and going back to what you said. Yes, it's exhausting guys. It is exhausting to commit yourself to that. And especially when you're doing a tug of war with doubt and old ways of being and thinking, but remember we are on a spiral staircase. And so the higher we go and the more steps we take, the higher vantage point we have and the more separation we have between that old way of being and, and now we're even closer to the new way of thinking and that's, what's going to create different results. Mm-hmm. And it's so worth it, you know, and, and I can think of so many moments in my office where like, maybe I, it's like, I feel like the person has really, like, she's had a moment of seeing like, oh, okay. Like they weren't right about me and hmm. I am enough. And, but then I'm like, okay, well you have to go home and, continue this repetition continue I don't care if it's written out in your journal I don't care how it looks but you have to go continue that to strengthen it because otherwise we'll go right back into our old default mode of thinking so Mm -hmm. it's it's just it's it really isn't optional if you want to get to kind of a higher place of of acceptance and grounding in yourself And I think it's also uh, a really great invitation for you to look at the places, uh, in your life, the, the people, frankly, that are causing, you know, contributing to the leaks, they're not causing them, they're contributing to them. They're not making them better. Um, I am not, you know, that, that whole theory of you're the, you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. I, I sometimes have a problem with that because what it intuits, I think on the surface level is like, well, I got to get rid of my friends and I got to go hang out with like the cool, successful people and all the people, like all you chumps, like I'm leaving you behind. Right. And I'm being facetious, but, um, it can feel like that, you know, when you look at that and you're like, yeah, but 
my, my core group of friends, like they're not asking a lot of themselves and they definitely do the gossip thing. And, you know, it's like, but what if you said to them, Hey, uh, Hey Mary, I'm just not into this like negative talk thing anymore. Like, you know, what if we, what if we tried to just like shift the, shift the dialogue a little bit? Like what kind of gift are you giving to Mary? Now, if Mary tells you to go F, go F yourself, um, you just got the data that you needed to say, you know, maybe this isn't going to be the place I really want to spend a lot of time. Um, but I am all about compassion and loving people and knowing that people have the capacity for change, just like you and I do. And, um, and also acknowledging that, that certain people come into our lives for the seasons they need to be there. And, Oh, I I haven't gotten that. I'm not good at that yet. Valerie, you know, that, that part feels very painful for me because I'm just the lover. Like, I just want to like, come over, like, I'll make you cider, you know, like, (laughs) just like, let's snuggle on the couch and talk about everything. And like, let's, you know, and, and, and it's, I'm still in the place of working through that, you know, of the part of where it's not, it doesn't hurt, um, when people don't want to continue on the path with you. Right. Absolutely. And I'm so glad you said that. I was actually just listening to um, High Performance Habits the other day by Brendan Burchard and kind of re-listening to part of it. And he, he says kind of a similar thing of like, when it comes to the relationships in our lives, he's like, you know, so many coaches or personal development messages are like, get rid of those people, cut people out. And he's like, I don't know. I mean, I think that for sure, if you don't have any people that you're surrounded by who are kind of on a similar path of growth, you need to find some of those. But it doesn't mean unless they're like, so like you said, unless they're basically like, well, F you and they're being like straight up abusive or whatever, like, sure. But But I think that just points to there's so many of these things that are like these Instagrammable or whatever, like, oh, I like this, like cut people out who are toxic. It's like it just becomes this, you know, you know, kind of trite thing. It's like, let's all just be discerning whenever with whatever it is of like, hold on a second. Yeah. What do I really think about that? And I think that's that very much that like boss babe and not the brand, like the hashtag, you know. Um, the, the hustle culture, you know, it's like, who do I have to drive over to get to where I want to go to? And, you know, I'm hi, we're in the business of people, you know, and people are complex and, uh, emotional and very multifaceted. And, you know, at the end of the day, like what, you know, if you ask me what leads you, like what, what is, what is your guiding light? It's my heart. It always has been, you know, I'm not a, I'm not, a, I mean, I'm Enneagram three, which is a heart center, one of the, you know, in the Enneagram and, but also has the capacity to connect to mind and body really, really robustly too, just being in the triangle of the three. Um, but I am a heart center person and I always have been. And so I have to give myself grace and space around that because I just, I mean, I love my clients, you know, like I, I, like, as you know, I know you all, like I know my clients in a profound, in a deep way. And, huh, you know, and, and I just, I'm here for it, you know, like, and, and that's, and that's fulfilling to me, but it also can be hard when, you know, people are not operating in that same place and space. And, and I've had to really learn through that, of course. So that's why the getting kicked out of the sixth grade friend group was so especially painful because, because here's the other thing. I was so intuitive back then. I understood the girl's pain. And I understood in a way kind of like what, what I was being a mirror of for them that they, they cast me out cause they couldn't accept it. Um, and that's what my mom was saying, you know, honey, like 
that's been your whole life. Like some people just can't really receive it. And you're kind of like a care bear and it's a lot for some people. And I'm like, okay, mom, thanks. <laughs> I literally have a giant cheer bear sitting on my couch in the basement. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's me too. Uh, so Amber, what is the fucking point of any of it? You know, I've been really, I've asked myself that a lot this year, you know, in tears sometimes just sitting on the couch with Ben tissues all around. What's the fucking point? Literally, what is the fucking point of all of this? And I don't, I'm not a person that can like be in the middle. Like I can't do the gray, you know? And so the point for me is that we are all here for our own unique reason and purpose. We will never understand really why I don't think we'll really get that, you know? Um, and I, there's this moment when 2017, the day before my very first large scale live event, it is four o'clock in the afternoon and my team has, has arrived to help us with like bag stuffing and getting things ready. And it's a big deal, right? We're doing a one day event. It was going to be on the Sunday. Um, we had a hundred people coming. It was at three S at the, the space where we just had accelerate live. And I was so excited for this moment that I dreamt of my whole life to like go out on stage as me teach and serve and like dance and do all the fun things. And it's four o'clock. And, uh, I had put our dog Riker, who was this beautiful 95 pound Husky out on his line. And he and our little dog Nika went out and just to get them out of the way. Cause they were up in everybody's business. And all of a sudden I hear this yelping outside and my heart drops and I run outside and I'm like, what's going on? And Riker is sitting there. He's sitting up and Nika's jumping all around him, barking. And he's going, Oh, Oh, Oh. And like yelping and, and howling. And I can't, I'm like, what is going on? What is happening? And he like, can't, he, he just is sitting like that. He can't like stand up. Um, and I just screamed to Ben to come out and, um, we just went into like first responder mode. And, uh, I yelled to my best friend, Rachel was at my, I said, can you just watch Ani? Uh, the team was there. They're like, we've got everything. We'll take care of everything. And we just picked him up and to the best of our ability, you know, he's 95 pounds and he's like not able to control his body. So we're carrying him up the stairs. We get him up into the back of the SUV and Ben sits in the back with him holding him. Cause all he can do is sit up, but we're noticing that his front paws are kind of like pointed down and he can't move them himself. And I'm driving and I'm just trying to keep it as steady as I can. And we get there and we, I call ahead and they bring like a wheelie thing out to try to like help wheel him in because, you know, he's heavy and he can't walk and we get in there and, um, they take him back and they get him, you know, medicated and they bring him into the room with us. And now he's just like laying on the floor in a blanket and we're talking to the vet and in the vet comes in with that face. And you're just like, what is happening? What is happening? And mind you now it's like four 30 the day before my first live event. Um, and he's, he tells us, you know, something's wrong with his spinal cord and we don't know why. And not, I mean, nothing, he didn't have an injury. Like he'd never had an injury that we'd known of. Like I, it doesn't make any sense. And, um, we kind of just play everything out and I'm, I'm, I'm on my knees. I am like praying. I am crying. I'm, it just is like the worst feeling, 
you know, he's only seven. He's a seven-year-old dog. Like, I just don't understand, you know, like, why is this happening? And I just kept saying, I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand. How could this be? You know, like nothing happened. Like he, he didn't get hit by a car. He was just sitting there. And, um, you know, the vet came in a couple different times and we just talked things through and all, it, the prognosis was really poor. And what he surmised was, you know, he probably has a, a rupture in his spinal cord and it's hard to describe why that would happen. Um, but the reality is this, you know, he's going to need very serious surgery and the potential for him to be healed from that is, is very minimal. Um, and I'm thinking at the same point, Valerie, I'm the mother of a three-year-old. Uh, I work from home full time. My child's home with me. I have to figure out now I'm going to have to like help this dog go to the bathroom. I can't, he's, he weighs more than half my body weight. I can't, I can't do it. You know, Ben's a police officer still. So all this is going through my mind. And, um, I just asked the vet to just give us some time. And I, I lay my head on his, on his chest, on his side and was listening to his breathing and to his heart. And I just lay my head there. And I asked this question, like, what, like, please, I just said, please help me understand. Just please help me, Riker, you know, God, whatever, whoever just help me. And the message came through and it was the same voice that talked to me when I was a little five-year-old child. And the voice was, your job here is not to understand. It is to experience. And I, I felt this overwhelming sense of, you know, peace and just understanding that Riker, all he wanted to do was run. All he wanted to do was be a dog. He wanted to play. He pulled my husband on skis and pulled Ani in a sled. Like he was, a, he was, you know, amazing. And he was good. And it wasn't mine to fight for that and to push and to understand exactly why in that moment and, and what was inexplicable. And so I was able to surrender and I was able to allow him to have his own experience and to ascend. And it was so painful. And I certainly had lots of questions on the other side. And, and then of course I had to get on stage the next day and do this thing, but that message has never left me. It is not our job to understand. It is to experience. Mm -hmm. And so I say to anybody who's trying to like get it, you know, and like hold it in your hand and squeeze the life out of it. You know, it's like, what would happen if you just trusted that the thing that's on your path right now is your curriculum, is your chance to be here, is your place to play. And yes, it's, it's not going to be easy learning new things, creating new neural pathways, uh, developing new skills, navigating the complexities of relationships that you cannot understand when people leave you sometimes. And all you want to do is that, but you know what, when we lost Ben's mom, the thing that saved me was the reason the pain is so big is because the love was so much bigger. And what a gift that I got to be loved by her mm -hmm. and that I got to love, be, be loved by Riker. And so that's the point to me. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank yeah. you so much. You're welcome. Just going to take a breath. Just let that soak in. Um, and, and I think you know, your answer to that just reminds me of um, what the poet David White calls beautiful questions, that they're the, it's not about even trying to pretend that we can sufficiently answer it. It's just living into the question itself, yeah. just experiencing. So that's right. That's right. So Amber, tell us where people can find you and anything that you have going on right now that they need to know about. 
Thank you for asking. Um, so you guys can come over to amberlilliesham.com and check out the podcast and get on the list. I have all kinds of gifts and goodies and freebies and things like that over there. Check out the blog um, and just what I'm up to in terms of how I support my amazing entrepreneurial um, and aspiring entrepreneurial clients. Uh, I'm also on Instagram. I love Instagram, love going on stories and just DMing and connecting with you guys in real time. So um, I would so love it if you guys could share this podcast episode and tag both Valerie and I. Um, and so that way we can reshare it and love on you and connect with you guys over there on the socials. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And all of that will be linked up in the show notes. So thank you so much for being here. It was such a pleasure thank to have you. you. Thank you, sister. My joy and my honor. OMG, friend, you made it all the way to the end of the episode. It is truly an honor that you've chosen to spend this time with me. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. You can find show notes for this and other episodes at ValerieKMartin.com slash podcast. And that's just the letter K. And just to make it a little confusing, you can find me on Instagram at Val K. Martin, V-A-L-K-A-Y Martin, spelled out. I love getting DMs from you guys about what you're enjoying in the podcast, questions, ideas for topics or interviews. And if you want to bring a huge smile to my face, leave a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps so much. Just go to bit.ly slash WTFP review, all lowercase, and it'll take you less than a minute. I'll see you next time. And until then, keep asking the big questions. <laughs>